0: Need more context on your favorite movie?
1: Is Obama.
0: Obama. Okay, Senator
1: Obama.
0: Ever wonder why they did or didn't do that thing or include that scene? This is prime. Like, this is, Perfect this is quality Freddy. entertainment. Check out Gutsy Media Podcast as my friends and I take a deep dive into everything from blockbusters to indie films. The weakest apple cider bitch beers. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. That's Gutsy Media Podcast for everything movies. The following is a DFAT Entertainment podcast, recorded and edited by Jake Duell.
1: The Constitution of the United States. The world is very different now, for man holds in his mortal hands the power to
0: abolish all forms of human poverty and all forms of human life. Let both sides explore what problems unite us, instead of belaboring those problems which divide us. We dare not forget today that we are the heirs of that first revolution. Ask not what your country can do for you.
1: Ask what you can do for your country.
0: Hey, Aaron. What's going on, Jake? Uh, It's time to meet at the tavern again. We had to take an extra week off due to my commitments. So now it's time to meet up again.
1: I was getting thirsty, so I'm glad to be back here.
0: Oh, yes. What are we drinking today? I had you decide the drink because I've just been too brain fried to make this type of choice.
1: <laughs> yep. So you're brave putting, uh, putting the drink choice in my hands. And uh, I figured to be fitting with what we are going to be discussing today, that we would be drinking a Russian Imperial Stout. So we have uh Combs Russian Imperial Stout, uh intense roasted flavor that has been lagered for 6 months. Mm, yes. 12%. It looks good and apparently um you can you can age it uh, in the bottle for an added depth of flavor. And uh, even though it is Russian, It is a product of Poland, which I think is just befitting of the whole thing.
0: Well, let's drink this. You know, it did not have the nice pop that our cans normally do. So that was a little disappointing. But it had an intense scent the minute I opened that. The aroma just
1: sort of smacked me in the face.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it definitely does.
1: Okay, I I grabbed a uh, a glass goblet because I wasn't in. Entirely sure what you're supposed to drink a Russian stout in. So. Oh,
0: you're fancy. I'm gonna I'm, go uh, I'm Russian style fancy. and drink straight from the bottle like vodka.
1: Oh yes, comrade, just straight. Wow. Got a good color. That is a lot of flavor. That is delicious. I'm. I am shocked. I didn't. It is, it is dark, really, like you can't see through it in a glass, but it is not thick. No, but it like is. Like a Guinness, but the flavor. A lot. Wow. A what? flavor.
0: Mm. It's like, it's got a little bit of like a spiciness to it, yet it's got an earthy
1: tone underneath it. And it's like fresh. Yeah. I'm surprised that it's kind of refreshing for being how it looks. And like, I wouldn't want to drink it fast Mm -mm. or multiple probably, but if (laughs) I I was having like one's enough, one good beer with a steak or something, I would drink this. Oh yeah. This would pair well with a good, a good rich meal. Yeah. Okay. That's a Z. I didn't make such a terrible choice. You, you made a good choice. Did you have any drama getting it? Cause see, I picked. So the universe says that you should have trouble getting it. Seeing as I have uh, trouble every time you pick something.
0: You, you would think that. Um, so you finally picked and I'm like, I didn't go grocery shopping today. Uh, my wife did. Shit. I need to run to the grocery store and find this beer. And I'm going Aaron always has an issue. I'm not going to be able to find it. But I have the magical Wegmans that is Pittsburgh Wegmans. Walk right in. Go to the foreign beer section. And it's right there. Of course. Yeah.
1: Of course. Works out
0: perfectly for you. Why wouldn't it work out perfectly for you? I yeah. have. I mean, the next stop would have been AJ's Beer Warehouse if they didn't. So. You got, you got all your sources. Yeah, I I I do. <laughs> so you ready for today's topic?
1: Oh, I'm as ready as I ever am.
0: All right. So today With
1: having to doing no research and uh, going off the cuff as I do.
0: All right. So today I brought forward to us the economic cold war, because I personally think through some of the stuff I've read that we are actively in a economic cold war right now and to kind of define this and give you an idea of what my thought pattern is i got some definitions this time around oh that looks like a book for those playing at the at home game it's a notebook (laughs) cold war a state of political hostility between two countries characterized by threat propaganda and other measures often short of open warfare and I think we're in an economic cold war where there's no battles going on, but there's a battle around money. And to give you that, the other thing I have up right now is the U.S. National Debt Clock. And I want to list off the national debt of the top five countries in debt right now.
1: Oh, okay, Go
0: for it. The U.S. is at $28 trillion in debt right now. China is at $8 trillion trillion dollars in debt right now japan is at 14 trillion in debt right now germany is at 3.2 trillion and the uk is at 3.5 trillion dollars in debt right now and what's funny about this is countries own each other's debt Like China owns some of our debt. Japan owns some of our debt. We own some of Canada's debt. So we're all in debt to each other. Yes, exactly. So what I think we have right now is mutually assured destruction on the economic scale, which is a form of warfare where destruction of one country would lead to destruction of another country. Now, they usually talk about this in nuclear war. But I think a better example in the economic Cold War is to talk about the relationship between China and the U.S. China owns a lot of the U.S.'s debt right now. We buy a lot of products from China. Mm -hmm. China could always decide to fuck us over by collecting on our debt, which would bankrupt our country, causing us to buy less products from from China, which in the long run would fuck over China. So we don't stop buying products from them because they could collect on our debt they don't collect on our debt because we'd stop buying products thus mutually assured economic destruction
1: also if they tried to okay that makes sense and if they tried to collect on our debt whoever owns their debt would try to collect on them which would just create a domino effect that goes around i mean eventually america would collect on someone else's debt but you know it's you know it's like We're we're, someone's coming at us like, you know, hey, you owe us, you know, you owe us thirty six trillion dollars. And we're going to be like, yeah, well, we got we got that payday from, you know, from uh, Switzerland. That's going to give us, you know, five hundred dollars. So that's something, right? Yeah. And as
0: always, with an audio format, I thought a good thing to do would be to pull up this image with you. Oh, that's Uh, fantastic. I can see it. You can see it. So to show <laughs> to describe it to our listeners, this is a 2017 thing that uh, TitleMax.com put out with their research that shows the U.S. and lines in orange leading to other countries for the countries that owe, own our debt and green in countries that, excuse me, we own their debt. Now, this is only for the U.S.'s debt and debt we own. But, oh, my God, just looking at the lines on this, it is a cross map of, yeah, Pull one, you're pulling
1: every other one there. We we owe debt to Japan, but they owe almost the same amount back to us. At some point, don't you just negate out the debt and be like,
0: Uh, yeah. And I mean, there's other less fair ones like we own a lot of Canada's debt but they barely own a portion of ours
1: compared to what we own of theirs. Yes.
0: But I mean, it's just, it's crazy. I
1: it's... mean, this image for our, for our lovely listeners looks like a subway map.
0: <laughs> it does look like a sub, you know what? It always looks like those maps that if you ever watch one of those crime shows that are like ping the IP signal, and then it shows like, the right, it's signal bouncing
1: p- around. Oh, they're using around. <laughs> They're using, using VPNs a scrambler. To route it through we we can't we can't figure Syria. out where it is. Yeah. All these different countries. Well, here's an interesting thing from the image. It looks like we don't owe debt to a single country. We don't owe anything to a single country that we don't. They don't also owe to us. Oh. Oh, there's a couple. There's a couple there on the on the African. Well, we, we the only country in Africa that has any relationship with us monetarily is looks like South Africa. and It looks like. So it looks like
0: the only countries that might have that distinguish are Turkey, Saudi Arabia, and the United Arab Emirates. Why am I not shocked? Ah, Yeah, shouldn't be shocked by that.
1: Yeah, that's only a couple billion, though. I'm assuming that's
0: in the scale of billion. I'm assuming so. Oh, and then the Philippines owns part of our debt, but we don't own any of theirs. That's absolutely shocking. I think it's
1: time the Philippines gets a little bit of freedom.
0: So, yeah, it's, it's just insane um, looking at this. I'm going to stop sharing because
1: we're not a visual uh, We could be, though, because we do record the video. We so could be. But we, we could start a YouTube channel. We,
0: we might need to look into that, get some better backgrounds, maybe have some chyrons that show up on the bottom as we're talking. <laughs> Economic collapse coming to you.
1: <laughs> if you want to do all that editing and post, you have fun.
0: Uh, Not really. I did Uh, that in
1: a previous life. And uh,
0: yeah, good on you. That is what I'm referring to by this economic cold war. And I think it's a direct result of the globalization for the past 100 years that's been happening. So for our listeners who might not know what globalization is, uh, it is the process by which businesses or other organizations develop international influence Or states operate on an international scale. And we are at least economically. Extremely globalized. At this point. There's really no such thing as a. Local economy anymore.
1: Right. A national economy. There's no. There's no isolationist. Isolationism in the world anymore. Yeah. Well I mean. Just with the sheer fact of e-commerce. Or. um, You know the I mean it's so easy to do business outside of your immediate demographic. I mean if you you know go back 50 years, you know to do business out of state, you know was you know a pain in the ass yeah um, nowadays I can I can put something on eBay and sell it to someone in Russia and you know most of the legwork, you know, to actually finalize that transaction happens digitally in a second. Convert. I mean, you know, you're talking about, you know, the heavy lift that comes with international, you know, you're talking currency exchanges, you're talking customs, you're talking, you know, taxes and all of that. And, you know, just not that long ago, it's an astronomical burden that the average person and company can't you know afford and nowadays especially with the internet and the way you know banking technology and everything else is
0: yeah i mean just talking about currencies i recently got an ad on another podcast where um it was advertising being the robin hood of currency exchange you know
1: oh so they're gonna limit what you can well i mean you're gonna sell half of your currency for you when you're not paying attention yeah
0: probably but i mean it's like go in and like oh the peso right now is really low buy the peso and then sell when it's high and buy the pound and it's like <laughs> people do this they i mean that's not something you can usually do on a small scale right um where they're probably making their small scale stuff is i think they're also doing uh digital currency so right
1: you know, well, Dogecoin and stuff like that buying, You know of buying and selling You know like other countries Currencies that's kind of I see that as like an Evolution from cryptocurrencies Because people Who really understand cryptocurrencies Fully believe that They are actual currencies Which they are and it's You know I can buy and sell And trade you know Bitcoin, Ethereum you know all these different coins, you know, that change in value based on, um, you know, uh, speculative assessment, which isn't much different than, you know, actual currency. You know, they're, you know, they're closer to stocks and all of that and the volatility. But it's one of those where, you know, it's just natural progression. If I can, if I can buy and sell cryptocurrencies. And in, and also buy and sell stocks, why wouldn't I want to also buy and sell currencies? You know, you're betting on the strength of a country instead of just you know a product or a business. Yeah, no. and I, I'm but a... at the same time, could you imagine someone shortfalling a country's <laughs> currency and in putting the entire bankrupting the entire country?
0: Uh, it's called the country of Greece and the European Union went in and saved them. And then
1: uh, Turkey tried to
0: do the same thing and I don't think that happened, so. No, it's a scary situation that like this, we're in this weird economic spot now where even countries are encouraged to support other countries' stock markets. Because a stock market crash in one country could now encourage economic collapse in other countries because it's more than just owning each other's national debts. It's this system of trade that we have in place. I know that the EU is – well, Brexit, sorry, Britain more than anything, is experiencing the downfalls of Brexit and all these – trade agreements that were in place that are now screwing over Britain and there's companies right. literally closing up shop in Britain because they have offices in the EU and they don't have to worry about all this economic stuff now.
1: Right. Well, I mean, that, I mean the, I mean, we saw the ripple effect of what can happen when a stock market tanks with the 2008. Yes. Um, bubble burst. And that, had a ripple effect that went through you know the entire you know all the developed world and you know it didn't just affect us here at home but in my opinion um, the interesting thought in my mind about the you know the um, mutually assured destruction from the economic standpoint of the economic cold war wouldn't just be the assured financial collapse of all basically the entire world. It would, in my opinion, it would lead to a hot war. Yeah. World I think... War three. I mean, because to be completely honest, a true depression, like the world, you know, America went through and the world went through before world war two the only real way to get out of a depression is war. There's, I mean, look, FDR tried the New Deal. It was, from a historical standpoint, a complete failure because it did nothing really to move the needle at all. But, and and it's not that war is good because it gets you out of a depression, but the thing with war is that... You are producing so much fucking stuff because most of it is one-time use and gets blown up. So, I mean, you go from, you know, not, you know, very little production to, you know, we need to make four billion bullets in two days. We used to only make one tank. Now we're making, you know. 100 there's a lot of production there's a lot of spending there's a lot of other countries that want to blow shit up that are on your side they can't necessarily make shit so they got to buy it from you also you know there's uh, a little bit of loss of life so you know the wealth gets spread out among more people um so
0: agreement and counterpoint first of all we have to do a new deal episode at some point because I think we will disagree about the advantages of the new deal and what it did but to your point of another economic collapse would lead to a hot war I 100% agree with you and I think that's why I would call this a cold war is because there is that mutually assured destruction where it wouldn't just be economic destruction we would go to war and it would be war with multiple countries having nukes. And at this point would every country hold back from using their nuclear weapons. And the other reason I would think it's a cold war is, you know, I heard one of the commentators say after the whole GameStop stock thing, well, how many Russian bots do you think were buying GameStop? And I thought it was absolutely <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Like, come on, guys. That was not Russia interfering with GameStop stock to have a troll. Right. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's foreign countries that wage economic war by owning certain stocks and selling it. I don't think it's an extreme because I don't think they've mastered that type of warfare yet. But I know... Another thing in the economic Cold War is these ransomware attacks. A lot of the ransomware attacks, you can lead back to Russia or Middle Eastern countries running them and trying to get money out of corporations. That's economic warfare. And that's something we're in right now.
1: I love how no matter what, it, it always gets, like Russia always gets blamed. Now, like it's been how many years? since the soviet union fell can can we just accept that you know our next great enemy is most likely going to come from china or the middle east like can we give russia a little bit of a break for a little bit for just a i mean a couple seconds (laughs) i mean come on country's collapsing under itself don't get me wrong i still think
0: russia's bad but if you want to talk about our next great enemy it's going to be china yeah I don't even think it's going to come from the middle east
1: i don't think the middle east is strong enough or capable enough to be a serious like a serious serious threat i mean look nukes are nukes and um yeah you know heinous i mean you know you can do a terrorist attack but that's not that's not a true threat to the country as a whole the question is
0: if you were to use nukes though, let's say a Middle Eastern country got nukes and used it on, I don't think they would outright attack the U.S. right off the bat, but let's say they went for an ally. Let's say they attacked France. I don't know if they would gain the sympathy of other nuclear countries. I i honestly don't think China would support them. I think China might side with us if a country used nukes on an ally of ours at this time because the other big country China is still trying to develop relations and they don't want to isolate anyone right. right now.
1: Right. I think, well, the biggest problem any middle Eastern country has with trying to fire off a nuke is that I still firmly believe, I mean, look, Israel completely denies having nukes, but we all know they have nukes and, with everything Israel has done since their inception, which pretty much all of it I support. um, If any middle Eastern country even spun up a nuke to get ready for launch, I'm confident that Israel would just go fuck it and would nuke every country in the middle East, even ones that don't have nukes and just be like, "Duh, sorry, we meant to only hit one, but our fingers slipped and we hit the kill all button and like, Their version of mutually assured destruction. I mean,
0: the whole world is standing on mutually (laughs) assured destruction between the economic and potential nuclear cold war or wars that could break out.
1: Israel, that was Saudi Arabia. Why did why did you hit Egypt? Oh, the finger slipped. It was close on the map. (laughs) Wait, Israel. Israel.
0: You you just blew up most of the world's oil supply, which now has started a new economic war, which is gonna lead to more. Like, we are so entrenched in this globalization connection that like it's what Baron uh von Bismarck was trying to do in Europe, but actually working because right. he set up mutually assured destruction, and then after he died, it got all fucked up, and <laughs> then the Archduke uh, Franz Ferdinand was murdered and a war started out but like he was off there like let's marry this guy to this woman so that they're cousins because then you can't fight because and it's like he said he was trying to set that shit up
1: and right. now we're there <laughs> he should have just you know worked on businesses to go back to your to do a little quick go back because it popped into my head Um, and this is how my Non-synchronous uh, ADD brain works. Um, to go back to your point about countries waging um, stock market warfare, yeah, and how probably not there yet. I agree with you. I think it's still. I think it happens, but I think it's on a company level. So I can see countries going after prominent companies in other countries you know that you know maybe if you know country b uh has a contract with this american company and this american company is screwing them over you know the country will find a way to economically you know take them down by pumping and dumping their stock or manipulating the stock market in some way or i could see you know a large corporation in a company or a large corporation in a country however you know, taking on like a smaller economy country. I mean, there are some companies in America that have, you know, more revenue than some countries GDP. So it's very feasible that, you know, a corporation could, you know, take down an entire country's um, economic system if they really wanted to.
0: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I just don't think it's happening on like this huge global scale that people Are claiming like i I don't think russia was involved with the gamestop stock thing
1: no i I don't think
0: there was the proof there to even show that a country was maybe a country buying some of gamestop stock to you know get in on the fact that it was rising
1: real fast and then i mean everybody got in on gamestop at that time i mean what the people that claim that russia or anybody any there was any interference with what happened with GameStop is someone who one doesn't understand the stock market and two doesn't understand the internet and what's been going on with cryptocurrencies for the last 10 years like GameStop happened because we have been trading bitcoin for the last 10 to 15 years like it when the whole thing happened it was laughable to me that all of the platforms and all of the you know people who work in wall street and you know have all their tv shows and talk shows were like the volatility you have to be aware of the volatility and you know the stock is going up and it's just based on buying and selling it's not based on the company's performance like yeah dude i've been buying a a fake digital thing that i can't See or touch or connect that has zero value that is literally only worth something because someone built it and said, I have made a Bitcoin. You tell me what it's worth. Like Bitcoin's over $50,000. There's no, there's nothing behind that. That's just whoever, however many people own it, say, this is what it's worth. And that's what it is. And five years ago, it was under 10 grand. So, oh, GameStop. Went from $20 a share to $200 a share. It's not worth that. Yeah, we don't really give a shit about the business. We just care about that three-letter code and how it looks in our trading portfolio. All right. Two points to that. First
0: of all, as of this week, I'm now seeing people sell digital
1: art. That... Oh, the, um, what is it, the, NFTs? The non-fungible? I, I, fungible? Yeah, I, how do you say I, that? Non-fungible? non-fungible? non I, fun. Non-fung- I, I...
0: <laughs> I, I don't fucking get it, dude. I you can, don't you
1: can you own you own you don't own the thing. You own a token that says you kind of own the thing.
0: I don't get it. I just I don't
1: rich right. people need to find more outlets to waste their money. They do. Oh right. uh we will set up an NFT for this podcast. Ooh. So if you want to buy the non fungible token fungible whatever it is the nft of the bull and moose tavern podcast get in contact with us we are selling it for 20 million dollars
0: actually that reminds me before i bring up my next topic and we get into a little bit of economic philosophy around this cold war i think we should pause for a commercial break Hey, come take a seat at the campfire. You're not the only one who joins. I've got friends that come over sometimes, too. We talk about a ton of interesting things from geek culture. Then we cover some conspiracies or philosophical thoughts or monsters. You know, we talked about Bigfoot in one episode. It's a lot of fun, so come join me at the campfire chats. A DFAT entertainment podcast hosted on Spotify and other fine places you find podcasts. Aaron, welcome back from that great commercial break. Before we talk about economic uh, theory in this episode and get a little bit off of politics a little bit, we need to pause because we're talking about buying into something that's not real. And I have something real that we just need to pitch. There is a man out there, Elon Musk, that wants to create Starbase in, a, in Texas? No. Texas? Texas? got snow that closed the city <laughs> you know what doesn't close because of snow rochester new york or should i say starbase new york we have Elon the space. Musk
1: city we have the space we have the infrastructure there's a lot of empty land around us that used to be farms or we malls or, or <laughs> ma- marketplace mall the perfect place for a starbase Starbase could have a hospital attached to it
0: because that's happening (laughs)
1: because there ain't nothing else going there
0: or maybe movie theaters I don't know how many of them are going to end up reopening after all this I doubt the one in Henrietta ends up reopening
1: oh it's the worst regal in the entire system yeah and we got they upgraded all the other regals and that one was like "Eh, should we upgrade the regal Henrietta it's Henrietta I don't think they'll notice yeah just
0: tear it down and build something new Um, So, yes, Elon Musk, Rochester could
1: be your star base. It is cold most of the time, not randomly some of the time. (laughs) All right. Economic theory for the Cold War. So
0: I have been reading this very, very amazing Israeli historian, Yuval Noah Harari. Um, I read his book, Sapiens. I'm currently reading his new book, 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. And I want to read um, Deus Humanus, I think it's called, which is about like the future of humanity. And he talks a little bit about history and philosophy in it. And when he's talking about economics, he has this quote, money is the most universal and efficient system of mutual trust ever devised. And I think this plays into what we're talking about with Bitcoin. What older people aren't realizing, and I'm sorry, I know some of our listeners are older, and this is not meant as an offense, but money isn't real. And our generation is proving that through things like Bitcoin.
1: And uh, non-fungible tokens.
0: And non-fungible tokens.
1: I just picture a mushroom now.
0: It reminds me of the Rick and Morty episode where Rick just goes into the computer and sets the entire country's currency value to zero making their money absolutely useless and the president asks for protection and his security looks at him and goes i will do it for money (laughs) like when i read off these debts to you from the world debt calculator i only listed the top five countries listed on the calculator But there's many more. And within the top seven, eight, they're all over a trillion dollars in national debt each totaled up, like just doing some quick head math. We're talking about probably 50 to 75 trillion dollars in national debt. Right. If you go on and look at the other countries, they're all within the hundred million plus in national debt and these are smaller countries this money's not real or sorry not even 100 million 100 billion <laughs> the u.s is never gonna pay off 28 trillion dollars in
1: national debt right we're all in debt to everybody it's it's never gonna happen
0: now well, if we stop people, giving
1: if we gave no money to any other country for like one year, like nothing, not a penny. we might you know be able to cut it by a third, maybe a quarter. Maybe probably? Now for us us little
0: people who aren't global countries, money is real in that you can be in real debt and get fucked over by it. Yeah, you miss your mortgage payment by 10 bucks and they're taking your house. Uh, on the global level, that shit don't happen. Right. You, you ain't getting a health care bill. The U.S. isn't having to go to the emergency room, getting their health care bill, adding another 28 trillion to their debt because it's an entire country going to the ER and then getting fucked over.
1: That right. don't happen. Right. It's not like we go to buy something from China and China's like, no, I'm sorry. You, you were late in your last debt payment. So. So you know, we're just going to keep pushing it out. Money's not real. And
0: our generation is just proving that GameStop was not worth five hundred dollars, even at GameStop's peak, its share was not worth five (laughs) hundred dollars. Yet it reached there because we realize money isn't real. Well, we're all all in a simulation anyway. So agreed to be real, and (laughs) we've mutually put trust that when i give you this dollar bill you in return know that a piece of gum is worth a dollar and will give that to me
1: we gotta get back to the gold standard i mean at least there there was something some intrinsic value some intrinsic value. value
0: and you know another thing that he goes into in the book when talking about money is the whole reason That these values came up was because, you know, let's say you were an apple seller and you were going to buy a horse. The horse seller might be, well, that's going to cost you 28 bushes of apples, but you sell red delicious apples and he's working off the value of uh gala apples red delicious apples should only be 14 barrels not 28 barrels so they had to come up with something that we could all agree to and it was money but maybe he doesn't really doesn't
1: like apples maybe he really likes carrots so because you're trying to buy the horse with apples he's going to charge you more than he would be with carrots so now, so he you, gotta want go to the, now you gotta go to the carrot seller And give him (laughs)
0: apples to get carrots so that you can go to the horse seller and give him. No, you just sell the apples for a value of, well, at that time, silver coin, gold coin, now paper, or if you're in Canada, monopoly money. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Beautiful, beautiful monopoly money, but monopoly money. And then everyone has agreed that this monopoly money has some intrinsic value that it doesn't. And I think it's even getting worse with our generation now because so many of us have stopped using cash and are now using either cards or our cell phones to pay for it, that it's all just digital code. We don't see anything real in money. You walk away from school with all the student debt and you're just like, "Okay, that's just how money works.
1: Right. There's just a negative balance on this account. Yeah. And the 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 numbers go up and the numbers go down.
0: I'm the US. I'm X trillion dollars in student debt, but it's okay because that's how life is. Right. I, I don't know. It's my crazy view into economic theory and how that plays into the Cold War that I wonder what happens over the, you know, our generation and the generations that come after us that see money less and less real as just debts keep rolling up and there's not a physical piece to it there's a bitcoin code that you own that if you lose your password to you have a hard drive that could have 2 billion dollars on it but you can't access that 2 billion dollars like
1: it's just so weird to me right so well i mean your your point that money's not real in our generation fully embraces that and understands that and I mean yeah we're gonna be the ones that are gonna flip it on its head and it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next 20 years with currencies as i mean i feel like that's why our generation supports bitcoin so much because we believe no currency is real and at least bitcoin admits it yeah and we're just like you know well i understand this because they're saying it's not real and it is i agree with them and you know Everybody else is like, you know, no, 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 the the, you know, the United States dollar that has real value. And we're like, OK, based on what? Well, you know, it's it's based uh, it's based on a complex formula of, um, you know, how many people want the currency and how much is currently floating out there and how many other countries, you know, are buying our currency. Oh, like sort of like Bitcoin. No, nothing like Bitcoin.
0: No, this is real because a, a government backs it. I. It makes me think, too, like. I had a a conversation a while ago around what's going to happen in the next 10 to 15 years as the boomers retire and some of those boomers who started businesses don't have family members to sell the business off or to hand the business off to. So they either sell to a large corporation or just let the business dissolve in some cases. You know, those are businesses that were putting money directly into the hands of the middle class. And that stops happening. And it just makes money less real.
1: Right. That's true.
0: I don't know. We're, I think we're in a dangerous space between the economic Cold War and a generation coming that maybe doesn't believe in money. <laughs>
1: like well we don't we don't believe in the tangible aspect of money
0: the, the tangible like we believe we have bought into yeah i agree that this bitcoin is worth 60 what's bitcoin at now, right now
1: 54
0: $54,000 $54, for a single bitcoin because yeah that makes sense it makes about as much sense as real money does right It makes as much sense as the U.S. being in twenty-eight trillion dollars of debt.
1: It doesn't. We have nothing to explain it. It just is what it is. Yeah. And to go back to the the Cold War aspect of you know countries, you know, I mean, this whole globalization. There's a weird. There's this weird relationship. That all of that all countries have now because of global trade and outsourcing and manufacturing and production. My favorite statistic of all is the number one export from the U.S. to China is cardboard. So that they can make cardboard boxes and ship their crap back to us. Yeah. So cardboard literally just makes a round trip. We manufacture it, we ship it to China, they put it in a box, and it comes right back. I mean, it makes me wonder,
0: (laughs) you know, does the Fed own some Bitcoin and they're just waiting for it to be worth $28 trillion and then they can pay off the federal debt with Bitcoin? Hey, here's one of the Bitcoins we own. U.S. debt's
1: paid off. Oh my gosh, that would be hilarious. No, I, they're the ones that are manufacturing it, getting up there. This was the long play. This is long, you know, the US government, US government has been had bought one Bitcoin in the early days. They didn't want to buy more than one because they were afraid people would think you know they were using it to buy pot. But they bought a single Bitcoin and they've been pumping it up secretly this entire time. And they're just waiting to get to that trillion dollar mark. Be like, no. here you go.
0: Ready? conspiracy time i know okay. this isn't normally a conspiracy podcast
1: that's okay we're in a tavern we're drinking this delicious imperial stout which strong. i believe is 12, 12 yeah, it's percent 12 strong boom uh, this is getting yeah hold on big sip then drop your conspiracy at me mm. oh it's a little too strong to do a big sip <laughs> oh but it hits so deliciously the fed Ooh.
0: created dogecoin The Fed owns (laughs) Dogecoin.
1: And they're going to wait till Dogecoin. Dogecoin.
0: Dogecoin's worth $28 billion and pay off our national debt.
1: We got to get Dogecoin to a dollar, bro. Just got to get it to a dollar. I mean, for full disclosure, I own a thousand Dogecoin. Mainly for the memes. Awesome. (laughs) Cost me like, I think, 10 cents.
0: I mean, I was trying to make (laughs) Sears the next... Uh, GameStop stock so I could buy Sears at 38 cents and then sell it when it reached $160 a share and make bank off of it. 100 shares of Sears at 38 cents would have made bank at $160 a
1: share. This is not real financial advice and we are not financial advisors.
0: We are not financial (laughs) advisors. We are not constitutional (laughs) lawyers. Do not listen to us for advice.
1: You shouldn't listen to us regardless. I mean, this is this this podcast is just two assholes who drink and uh, ramble on about nonsensical stuff. But yeah. you're here, which means you're one of our seven uh, amazing followers. If we ever make t-shirts, we're just going to send it to you because you're loyal and we appreciate you.
0: Yeah, it's a left-leaning asshole and a right-leaning asshole that have realized that we actually agree on more than we disagree about, that we disagree on stuff, and we spout bullshit off at you. That, Funny that's enough, we can have a
1: conversation without... Hating the other person. Exactly. Shocking. 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 You don't right. have to agree with everything of someone else. Sorry. So I'm going to go to economic Cold War.
0: Yeah. I'm going to go from the top of my head. Well, um,
1: like halfway through this
0: gigantic strong beer. My bottle another empty, sip,
1: but my giant mug is two thirds of the way full.
0: Yeah. Um, so, you know, this I really like the writing of Yuval. I heard him on armchair expert. I've heard about him before he did some Ted talks. So he, I bought his books to be in my 2021 reading. Now he has another story in the same book, sapiens that really seems relevant today because it seems like something that could still happen. And it's the story of the Mississippi company. And this happened, I think in the 1700s or the 1800s, France was trying to settle Mississippi. So, It was before Mississippi was a state, a company created, and they were called the Mississippi Company, and they started selling off deeds of land in Mississippi, and it became their GameStop stock. Went like hotcakes. People were like, oh, my God, I got to own part of Mississippi. This is the thing to own. Right. Well, after a couple months, people started to realize Mississippi at the time was a shithole to live in <laughs> like there was no cities there it was swampy it, it it wasn't a good place to live and people were like oh shit we don't need this <laughs> started trying to sell it which tanked that stock well it turns out the ceo of that company was also the head of the treasury of france so he started pumping out francs and buying up the mississippi stocks that were selling to keep the company afloat which ended up tanking the entire French economy and is part of what led to the reign of terror and the French
1: Revolution. Oh, that is awesome. Mississippi is responsible for bringing down the French Empire. (laughs) In long and shorts of it, in a way, (laughs) yes. There's a couple rednecks that are rejoicing right now.
0: (laughs) Damn them French. Oh, yeah, we got them. I knew it. I know my ancestors could do it. <laughs> Who says bonjour? It's freedom fries. Ain't French fries. Been that way for a while now.
1: <laughs> we love you, Mississippi. Yes. Uh, no,
0: so like, but that, that makes me think of something that could still happen today, especially when I was saying debt is real to us common folk. Right Up at the upper echelon, I could totally see someone becoming the ceo of a company who's also somehow involved with the government and convincing governments to feed money to their company to keep their company afloat enron um <laughs> or you know maybe charging exorbitant speaking fees and making 7 million dollars in 2 years and becoming janet yellen um or any of those types of cases where money's not like it's something they hoard for fun
1: are you saying the super rich are involved in somewhat of corruption at the highest levels of government and that most people in government do it not for public service but for money i would never say that because i bow down (sighs) to bill
0: gates plan he has no Uh, He he uses his money only for good, for the betterment of society.
1: Yes, Bill Gates is the best. We need to wipe out 90% of the Earth's population and only eat synthetic beef because beef made out of 90% toxic chemicals is healthier for you than beef made from a cow.
0: To go into conspiracy theories again, the Georgia Guidestones is the way. (laughs) Praise the teachings of the Georgia Guidestones.
1: Uh, Just don't question how they got there.
0: This this Russian Imperial Stout has kind of made this podcast go a little bit off the rails in some different ways than we normally
1: go off the rails. In a magical way.
0: I think you need to let me pick the beer more often. (laughs) I think I do. I I really like the
1: way this episode is going. (laughs) I mean, we're staying on topic to a point. <laughs> For the most part, but it fits our particular brand of uh, style. So, mm. no, I, I, but
0: I think this is all a danger of the economic world we live in. We live in this semi-fake economic world, like where I love the fact that I'm getting checks for the government during COVID. I love the fact that the current bill is what's finally allowing Brighton to have the money to have full day kindergarten. Without that, it wasn't going to happen because the state is being a little bitch and trying right. to hold back 50% of the school funding. Cause they don't think school's important.
1: Right. But even that speaks to the whole fake nature of money because the only reason, like The whole, the whole system, the whole, I mean, the whole thing's a house of cards, the whole thing's fake because it's, you know, okay, schools need to reopen, but they have restrictions that are put in place that for some magical reason can only be fixed through more money, so the government needs to give them that more money to, like, the whole thing, it's, it's all fake, there's, none of it is real, you're living in a simulation fantastic we like, one of our more positive podcasts by the way <laughs> your first time listener
0: like for real though like that 1.9 trillion dollars which is an insane amount of fake money because <laughs> they don't have 1.9 trillion dollars
1: no, we. It's I mean, digital. always put it as like we have 1.9 trillion. Like it's 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 digital
0: transactions. Someone
1: broke it out. What is it? It's it costs every it costs every American five thousand seven hundred and something dollars to receive a stimulus check for fourteen hundred dollars. Great, but that's only if you think the money is real.
0: Yeah, it's oh. only if you think the money's real. I mean, I did the breakout when um, the Biden administration was originally fighting the fifteen dollar minimum wage. I did the breakout of Janet Yellen. If she was paid for 40 hours a week for 52 weeks over the two years she made seven million dollars. She was making over a thousand dollars an hour. And I'm like, you rich motherfuckers want to tell us you know the McDonald's worker can't make fifteen dollars an hour. You speak for an hour once a week and you're making seven million dollars in two years right like really
1: well that's the problem because real to you because all of this all of this fake wealth well i mean i guess that's a big argument for the fact that money isn't real because it's it's coalesced at the top it's all it's all hoarded at the top and the reason going to the conspiracy theory because we're just You open that door. I'm running through it. The reason why money isn't real is because the rich hoard it because they know if we ever found out it wasn't real, they would be powerless. So they've set up these this fake economic system and they hoard all of this fake money that they don't actually have. But they pretend to have that, you know, just keeps us down and they keep giving it to each other. And they they give us scraps every once in a while. So we think, oh, thank you for my my twenty dollars. I appreciate it. You know, I'm going to hold on to this. And like, yes, that's just a little bit of, you know, my billions of worth. But don't uh, don't go into the bank vault because there's not anything there. It's just it's a microchip. It's a microchip because we're sending money all over the place. It's in investments. It's in stocks that don't exist. Well, well, while
0: we're talking about fake money, let's go into one of my more liberal views and around money and something that John Oliver brought up recently I don't think trickle-down economics works, because if you give money to the rich people, they're just holding on to that money. But, you know, there's a statistic, and it was on John Oliver. I don't know where he got this from, that for every dollar you give to an impervished person, they spend $2 in the economy. And, yeah, I'm hearing these arguments oh, this $1.9 trillion bill ain't going to work because what are they going to spend it on, rent money? Yeah, because then the rent goes to the landlords. The landlords use that rent money to improve their properties or buy more properties, which then increases rent prices or allows them to make more money, which then spends more money into the economy. You send money into fake money, into the lower section, they spend that money, which raises up through the pyramid. The pyramid don't trickle
1: down. Right. There's there's a reason (laughs) like there's a reason that people are on the lower end of the poverty level. I mean, life circumstance and all of that. But uh people who are perpetually uh, this is gonna come off disparaging and it's not meant to, and if you get your knickers in a twist, fuck off. But and I'm gonna say it, and that was my that caveat. If you have a problem, you can tune out now. But people on the lower economic scale, when you take out hardship and external forces are on a lower economic scale because they don't know how to save money. Okay. You see people living in shitty housing with $2,000 cell phones and $50,000 cars, because when they got a big paycheck, they just spent it. Your point is valid. You give money to the lower sector of the economic pyramid It's going to put more money into the economy because they're just going to spend it. The millionaire got to be a millionaire because he was smart with his money and didn't spend it. Giving him more money, like, that's the problem with trickle-down economics. As a blanket statement, as a blanket proposal, I agree with you. Trickle-down economics doesn't work. You give Amazon a tax break, that doesn't filter through. Okay? They don't give a shit. They're making millions of dollars in profit a year. You make that profit slightly higher, okay? That's great. We've given the CEO a couple more dividends. Trickle down economics only works from the middle class down. Yeah, the small business owner that employs fifty people that doesn't that saves ten percent on payroll taxes has the ability to hire an extra person that has the ability to give someone that's worked for them for the last 10 years, a raise that's trickle down economics, but it's not a blanket economic system. It doesn't work on a total scale. It only works on the middle class down bottom up, economics would work as well though. Yes. Well, well don't tell that to some of the people who
0: got tax cuts because they were very, very wealthy. Uh, (laughs) You know, On top of that point, like there is some statistics out there that most people couldn't afford an emergency room visit today. And that's because they don't have the money in the bank. You give those people money who can't afford an emergency room visit, they will be able to afford that emergency room visit. They will be able to buy that new TV they might want, which puts more into the system. On top of that, I agree to your people who have more than they should, but I I think you see that a lot in the NFL. There was a lot of sad stories around football players who, when they became wealthy, threw their fortunes away because they're like, holy shit, I have money. I need to spend it now. And I know there's been some cases around it that all new NFL employees should have to go through some basic economic courses as part of their hiring so that they know, hey, you're going to get this $3 million contract a year but you could get injured in 2 years which means you might only make 6 million over 2 years cuz you get so injured you can't play anymore but right. that 6 million should be able to carry
1: you through 10 years if you spend it wisely right and a quick sidebar i feel like a lot of the i i am a proponent of the NFL is currently the no fund league and i feel like a lot i mean look someone getting injured and you know ending their career it's not it's it's terrible it's an awful thing concussions are a problem and sports should be safe that being said the reason football players make millions of dollars is because tomorrow you could get hit the wrong way and you're paralyzed From the waist down like you want football to be perfectly safe where there is almost zero risk of you getting seriously injured. You should only be making 50 to 60 thousand dollars a year like there is no risk of me going into the office on Monday and being paralyzed from the waist down and not being able to do my job again. If there (laughs) was I would want a bigger compensation every year.
0: Well, let's not let's not say there's no risk, but it is a very, very low risk my, that that could happen. My
1: pretzels got stuck in the vending machine you, as I tried to. You could it be free. walking
0: through a window, and a 95 <laughs> year old could be pulling up to the uh, building and mistake the brake for the gas and just uh, go through the window and hit you. It's it's possible. It happens to a lot of Tim Hortons in Rochester that people (laughs) drive through the window. Oh my God, I'm losing so many listeners right now. (laughs) Uh, But no, I think a lot of that is also uh, these people who come up through the NFL might come from low-income housing and they don't know what to do with money. They see money and go spend, spend, spend. And there is a point where you can spend, but there's also a safety to it. There's also a lot of lotto winners who go who choose the lump sum and go through their lot of winnings within a year. They party and buy mansions. And at the end of the year, they're they're shit out of luck because they spent all the money where, you know, the smart lotto winner would choose the long-term payment, which means you don't get all of it at once, but you're getting consistent paychecks that keep you afloat.
1: I disagree. I got I got to interrupt. I disagree with you there. The smart play is you take the lump sum, you put the whole thing, in a low yield interest account and you live off the interest because theoretically taking the lump sum early and earning interest on it will net you more than the equal payments over a period of time also you could die at any point and then you just lost half because once you die they stop paying you and it goes back into the pot
0: Okay, I understand where you're coming from there, but there's too many people <laughs> who take the lump sum and just go like, I need a new truck.
1: It's And
0: true. I need a mansion, and I need another new truck to sit in the other garage. And actually, it's got four garages, so I need uh, four new trucks. Uh, I don't know why I made this lot of winter southern. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> now you've uh, lost us all of our southern listeners. I was, uh, all I have, one and a half of them. I have. I have. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, man, it's I... Like- I Sorry. Let me get the right voice for this. I need a new Lamborghini. I don't know why I have this voice. I just won the lotto and I made it up. What uh, is that? Was that British?
1: <laughs> was that trying was... to be? I don't know. I just made that it up. That was I just... bad. I, tried I mean, to Normally, do something... I, would try, I would try an accent, but after almost all of this <laughs> imperial stout, I'm not even going to bother.
0: In all honesty, that was my rarity from My Little Pony's uh, voice because I've been doing... <laughs> um, every night I'm reading my daughter My Little Pony comics, and I try to do the pony voices, and the southern accent was actually Applejack from My Little Pony, so <laughs> they're all My Little Ponies. At,
1: at least you didn't go uh, Dick Van Dyke with uh, full botched American cockney and hello, governor! <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, but,
0: to so like, my final point there, you know, I wanted to bring it to, like, Bernie Sanders and his plan right now that he wants to see a tax where if the CEO of a company makes over X amount of percent of the median wage of the company or whatever it is, they get a special tax because the CEO is not giving enough money back down to the employees. I mean, the fact that Jeff Bezos, as much as Trump rallied against this guy, Amazon didn't pay taxes. Right. You're you're the president of the united states talking about amazon and the unfair washington post and how they're treating you the company doesn't pay fucking taxes man
1: i mean that's the other thing with large companies is and and look the bernie sanders of the world can impose as many as many tax you know as many you know taxes as they want and all that but Taxes aren't going to get you out of this and taxes, no matter what anybody thinks, taxes will never take the money from the Uber from the 1% and give it to the 99 because what you don't understand is that the 1% is the 1% for a reason. Oh, yeah. The 1%, no matter how you could put the tax rate at 90% of their income and they're going to find a way to not pay that tax. I mean, there's more than one way to classify income. There's more than one way for a CEO to take money out of an organization. You put up a tax that says if the CEO earns over X percent of uh, the median income of their company and you don't put a caveat in there that says this only applies to a ceo earning over $200,000 a year you are going to either kill every single small to medium business because the ceo is either not is either going to be completely demotivated or they have to to earn what they believe to live on i mean it doesn't even have to you know you could you have a company of 40 people and the you know 38 employees earning minimum wage and the ceo is taking in you know only sixty thousand dollars technically you know depending on where that state is and what the minimum wage is you know that ceo could lose a significant portion of his income and once again you put in something like that without a height caveat, the top is just going to change how their income is classified. Like, you're never going to cover every base. And it's, it's one of those where – and I know we're completely off topic because I don't know what this has to do with an economic Cold War, but <laughs> – this it's is welcome the to pod- the podcast. This
0: is where the podcast is flown to today.
1: It's it's it's, it's organic. It is
0: organic. We start with a topic and we get somewhere. And this is what it has led us to.
1: You're, you're never going to take the wealth of the 1% and give it to the 99. There's only, well, I shouldn't say that. There is only one way, one historical way. It's been proven in history. There's only been one way in which the wealth from the 1% has trickled down to or has been evenly distributed to the other 99 and that's typically something called a revolution and it involves beheadings and even that leftist arm yourself leftist
0: leftist need guns
1: (laughs) well throughout history leftists have usually usually been the one with guns yeah, but, yes.
0: you know, they're the ones that are more anti-gun this time they, around. Well, so. that's,
1: you know, with America, they got a little soft, and, yeah. you know, now all the conservatives have guns. and
0: Well, I, I will point out that the coal miners all had guns, and they stood up for their rights to unionize Amazon. Um,
1: <laughs> 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 I mean, I, t- to be completely honest, I don't understand how Amazon's not unionized at this point. Like, I hear stories of businesses... That really have no purpose being unionized, but because someone stubbed their toe once, you know, it created this uprise. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are very legitimate unionizations that happen. But, you know, you have stories of companies that get unionized for bullshit reasons that have no purpose being unionized. And then you hear all the shit that happens on Amazon. Like, oh, if you if you go to the bathroom, you know, we're docking your pay. But I have I, I'm going to go into kidney failure if I wait another hour. Well, that's a you problem. That's not Got a, a Gatorade bottle. Pee in the Gatorade bottle. Right. Didn't didn't you buy your diapers at the approved Amazon Go store? <laughs> we set up automatic billing. We send them to you. They're the no. extra absorbent depends. You change that on your own time. And, Don't and get like, me- it's like, how are they not union? And they just keep fucking around. Like, what are the unions doing? Just go in there. Do it.
0: Don't get me wrong. I use Amazon. It, It would be very hard for me to break my Amazon culture. The only reason I'm, the only way I'm reading those My Little Pony comics is through Kindle Prime or Kindle Unlimited because they're all free through there. And $8 a month is a lot easier than spending, excuse me, $20 a book. I'm hooked. They built a product that hooked me. They built me a way to get what I need in two days and it's hooked or immediately if it's books i use their audible product and i was even thinking of getting comic books unlimited which is another kindle product you know a lot of companies use aws for their servers they built a product and they know what they do but you know you really want amazon to not pay taxes You know, you want to give that to the company. Don't just give them free taxes. You want to encourage them to treat their employees better. Be, you know, you're going to give your employees, and this would be a way for the bigger companies to get the tax breaks while not hurting the medium companies as much, I think. And correct me if you think I'm wrong on this, is say, if you give your employees a $15 minimum wage, if you give them two weeks PTO and two weeks sick time and two weeks paternity maternity leave. We're going to give you X big tax break for the big companies. Encourage the big companies to treat their employees better. Medium companies. We understand that that might not be reasonable for you to still remain profitable with those same benefits, but if you're able to give it, you get this level of tax break. It might be a little bit smaller, or you know, medium company. We're also going to give you this package that says you're going to pay twelve dollars minimum wage. Give one week PTO, one week sick time, one week paternity, right. maternity leave. You get this tax break, and then you encourage the big companies to adopt it,
1: right? No tax it, I breaks. Mean, that would that would totally work for me. And the way I would put it. Is I wouldn't make a distinction between different levels because in business, most businesses get fucked up. And the reason why there is such a struggle going from a small business to a medium business and a medium business to a large business is because there are different requirements and different, um, different things change. I mean... Right now, the biggest barrier to a small business becoming a medium or a large business is the 50 person in New York is is the 50 person rule. And you get over 50 employees and everything changes. The um, Affordable Care Act, you know, changes, you know, what the employer is responsible for. So you literally have a company that could be on the verge of 50 employees but needs to double in business just to hire one more employee. I because mean, because it, and, and it like something like that's not feasible. And so, the way I see it, especially with something like that, like if I mean, I love the idea imposing um, a minimum wage, you know, and time off requirements, but saying if you hit that, like not a, I mean, because right now, a lot of what we do through the government is do this or else, or we're going to shut down your business. Like, if you can't survive under these criteria, you don't deserve to survive at all, which isn't true and isn't how economies work. But, you know, lesser people think that's the way it is. It should be, here's the things you need to do, and if you do them, you're going to get this massive tax break. If you don't do it, we're going to tax the shit out of you. Cuz the argument is well, you know, someone is just going to fuck over their employees and you know, and they're just going to say I don't need that tax break. Yeah, set that at a 50% tax bracket. But if I pay my employees um, you know, a dollar over minimum wage and I give them, you know, two weeks of this and two weeks of that and two weeks of this and I give them Up to I pay a certain percentage of their health care, you know, you know, to their paycheck. I mean, if you if you told me that if I did all of that. I would get a 50 percent tax break for my company. You better believe I'm going to figure out how to do that, because that just allows me to make more money to pump back into my business and. A better motivated, a better compensated employee does better. Yes. So, any, and, and what I would do is I would never do a progressive scale, flat tax rate. Everybody gets taxed the same. There's this urge to say, no, someone on the lower end is 5%. And as you go up, it goes to 10%, and then 20%, and then 40%. The problem is you put a progressive scale in there the top scale is going to not is going to figure out how not to pay 40%. They're only going to end up paying 5%. Just make it 10% across the board. Everybody pays their quote-unquote equal share, but the company making 50 billion dollars a year, 10% you don't need to go up to 40%. 10% is good enough because it's 40 billion dollars you know and you're not screwing over the little guy because it's it's relative it's scalable it's equal they understand it's fixed as they grow this is how it is you don't set up a barrier um you know of well i can't grow over this size and that's not what you want you don't want a business actively not growing
0: so that works for corporations who couldn't hide their money offshore I think it does not work as well for individual people, but I 100% agree with you with corporations. But I know at one point, you know, even going back to like Eisenhower and the 50s and 60s, personal taxes were a lot higher when you got richer. But I think within corporations, yeah, that flat tax, you know, as a corporation, you're going to be paying your 10%, whether you brought in 100,000 that year or 100 million that year. You will pay 10% of that in tax. Right. I think that's a
1: fair program. I mean, the problem with a progressive scale on personal tax is that to put any type of scale in there, you have to put qualifiers. Because you, you can't, like, if you have a flat tax, you can just say it's this and it's on everything. Because it's flat. It's simple. The second you put a progressive in there, you have to define what the levels are and what constitutes the levels. And that's that's what I see. I don't see the problem with a progressive scale is with personal wealth as you know it you know it, it you know it's it's not as easy for personal wealth to hide. I see it as the more The more complicated you make a tax system, the more room you have to get around those rules. So if I put a 10-point scale in place, I have to define each level of that scale. And the biggest thing that people don't seem to understand is billionaire CEOs don't have any personal wealth. So you say you know, we're going to tax, you know, the income of the top 1%. And if you earn over a million dollars a year, you know, that's, you know, you're going to have to pay income tax on it. Well, guess what? The CEO that made $6 million last year didn't actually make $6 million because he bought that yacht using his corporate account. The car is in the business's name and he has an LLC that owns every Netflix subscription he has. Well, to that same point, like Elon Musk
0: recently, for a while, became the richest person. And he technically did not have that money. It was saying if he sold all his assets, including his stocks, he's worth that much. But he's not actually that rich. Right. You know, like if you, you talked about actual fake money that he had in his bank, it wasn't what you're claiming he's worth because right. that's including his stocks his other assets bonds foreign currency anything like that right that goes uh, back to this fake currency
1: discussion it, it, you know what does you know the <laughs> the net worth is is a fake number you know yeah. the the liquid what are your liquid assets exactly. uh, my liquid asset right now is a russian imperial stout that, that is absolutely almost killed and
0: uh it It has brought this conversation somewhere. Interesting. But I mean, yeah, I get what you're saying with the flat tax. And then maybe, so I think one of the issues with our current tax system in the United States is it's complicated and then there's too many tax breaks you can get. If you move to a flat tax and lower the amount of tax breaks, and especially within companies say, hey, you know, it's a 10% flat tax. You can get two 4% off if you meet this criteria of paying your employees and providing time off. 2% off if you can meet this criteria. Otherwise you pay the, right. the 10%, whatever that Maybe is. Maybe
1: a little bit more carrot for once instead of the stick, which we only have now. Yeah,
0: and also to your medium... Small to medium-sized companies, medium to large-sized companies. You know, oftentimes when I think about it, I think about those ultra large companies—the Googles, the Amazons, the Apple, the Facebooks. But there is this small to medium that is for those people who m- might listen to our podcast that maybe aren't are more left-leaning and not as businessly minded. It is the same thing as someone who today is on welfare and might get offered a job that will take them off welfare. But that job does not account for where welfare put them. You know, right. you're making enough money that you're on welfare with your paycheck. You get offered a promotion and that promotion's a good promotion, but it's not as much as where welfare was taking you. And now you lose your welfare. Right. Do you want to take that promotion? No, because it's you're hiring your 50th employee. It takes you to the next bracket.
1: Right. I was talking with someone the other day. I mean, excuse me, the, we experienced this. The truest thing was during the country's complete COVID lockdown was the bump to um, unemployment of an additional pandemic pay of $600 a week. $600 a week is the equivalent of $15 an hour for a 40-hour work week. And I was talking with someone the other day and I was talking about how big of an issue that was for manufacturing and production because when businesses were allowed to reopen, these people made more money being on unemployment than coming back. And their argument to me was, you know, there are, you know, that's not entirely true and, you know, people are suffering and that's, you know, you can't discredit um you know the hardship people are under and people really you know need that unemployment because unemployment is not um you know not a full replacement for what you were earning and six hundred dollars got a lot of people you know through you know an economic downturn in the and their argument was right but to a very small point because they were arguing only within the terms that they understand, which is the state of New York. Most manufacturing doesn't happen in a state like New York or California. Our state that we're in should have a $15 minimum wage because that's where our cost of living is. But you go to a state like North Carolina or Mississippi where you can buy a house for a hundred thousand dollars on ten acres of land that in New York would cost you a million for that same property, they don't need a fifteen dollar hour minimum wage. Well, whoa, well, whoa, well, let's
0: be clear. That property you just defined is no longer a million, even in Rochester, New York. You're talking about a 1.5 two million (laughs) dollar property at least in rochester probably five million in the adirondacks and you just described a 50 to 60 million dollar property down in long
1: island (laughs) it's true that's true but see because that's the thing you know and and it's that that not being able to see out of your bubble and it's the you know to to people that live in a state that have or New York is going to get to a $15 minimum wage an extra $600 a week on top of, uh, I think it's half or two thirds or whatever it is of your normal pay doesn't seem like that much greater, but to someone whose minimum wage was $8 an hour. And now you're tacking on the equivalent of $15 an hour on top of even half of that. Like what? As long as I collect that paycheck, why would I go back to work? And even in New York, our wonderful state, where incomes are high, I had neighbors who worked in companies that had employees that just quit because the raise in minimum wage plus the 600 was more than what they were earning for a corporate office job and it's it, it's right to your your point of the whole you know welfare you know keeps you away from a job and it, it's the whole thing we you if you put these systems in place that are deemed to help quote unquote help it can have a boomerang effect in which it prevents someone from wanting growth and it's it's both within companies when we put that burden there You go from 49 to 50 employees, you better be doing double the volume that you currently have. And it's the same thing, you know, you know, I can get, you know, I can hold a minimum wage job and do this. And look, a lot of people need it. There are people, you know, who hit hard times and they need those social programs to protect them and keep them safe and keep them healthy and keep their family together. But we don't live in a utopia. Not everybody is good. Not everybody is perfect. Not everybody is happy. People will scam the system at all levels.
0: I was going to make a very bad joke that Thanos' snap could solve a lot of these problems <laughs> when you said we don't live in a utopia. Um,
1: well, no. that, as, as a quick side note, that. That is one of my like favorite arguments against like conspiracy theories when they're like, you know, oh, this, this, you know, this terrorist attack was actually like, you know, the government that was trying to get, you know, they, they did that so that you would pay attention to the frogs because the frogs are turning gay. Like, like, my response to that is, do you think we live in a utopia? Do you think there aren't insane fucking people that just do batshit crazy stuff because they're fucked in the head? like no he didn't do this because it's some global conspiracy he did it because when his genetic code was being written it crossed two wires and he now thinks that kumquats tell him to stab people like it happened
0: welcome, welcome to knowledge battle i'm alex jones uh i'm here to tell you today why fluoride is making mass murderers and that's in your water and that's why you should only drink your own piss filtered through an Alex Jones filter
1: that makes your pee water. Um, no, I mean, technically I mean, fluoride does create a calcium buildup in the frontal cortex and it can potentially make you stupid or slower and uh, cause mental problems, but that's the conspiracy for another time. No I mean it's the same point on Bill
0: Gates If he was really trying to kill half the world's population And he had a method to do it Why wouldn't he just pull the fucking trigger And do it because y- You have some crazy Conspiracy that his vaccine well, Has chips in it Well like, there's an
1: easy answer to that Bill Gates isn't actually smart enough To flip the switch but I understand the point you're trying to make so uh, Bill Gates but, I think you're a fucking idiot
0: uh, Bill Gates I bow Before you uh, as our new Overlord <laughs> Uh <laughs> 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 Come no, take uh, my
1: Apple product away from me.
0: I think this podcast is gone
1: so far off the rails what from we where we started. Economic uh, the cold economic war. Cold War. We are uh, definitely in an economic. Well, OK, to try to get us back on topic. Normally, it's you that gets us back on topic. But yeah, I'm going to try and do it. Um. So. China and <laughs> obviously the U.S. is in an economic Cold War with China. And that's how I'm going to I'm going to say it from now on. The tariffs. That were imposed under the Trump administration. Direct frontal attack during the Cold War or. Just something that happened as a
0: business expenditure. Business negotiation, because when he leaned off, the Trump organization happened to get a bunch of uh, benefits in China. Including naming rights to things in China.
1: Wouldn't that still be, though, part of the Cold War? He just used the Cold War to his advantage?
0: Yeah, I mean, it would be part of the Cold War. He just used it to his advantage.
1: Yeah. Uh, Embargo on Cuba. Cold War. Just Cold War. Well, could you say an attempt at an economic Cold War that yeah, led e- to an actual Cold War?
0: Economic I mean, Cold War Because we turned technically
1: into... I mean, that's actually a good point. We were in a cold war with Russia. Yeah, we didn't. Or that kicked off the cold war with Russia. We didn't have a cold war with Cuba. We could have destroyed Cuba within a second. Like it's a it's an ant that wandered onto a picnic table. But we sort of set up an economic cold war with Cuba. Just like trade embargo. Fuck off. Yeah. And then
0: Obama lowered it and Trump brought it back. And now. I'm going to guess under Biden, things will change again with our relationship with Cuba. I know uh, Conan actually went to Cuba when things changed. And I know it's a huge Canadian tourist destination, all part of the economic Cold War.
1: I got to go to the border to get a good Cuban cigar. Go figure. Absolutely
0: all part of the economic Cold War. You know, I thought this was going to be one of our shorter episodes, but we ranged way off topic. But I loved where the conversation went from the economic cold war i think it 100 percent stands there i think from the layer of economics we have some disagreements but you know i think there's also this breakdown where people talk about people but they also don't talk about businesses and because when they're talking about businesses they're always talking about the mega corporations i know it's something i'm guilty of that same analogy that lies at the people and now uh, uh, connects to the small businesses right I think there's so much we could be doing better but we're so first of all locked into this economic cold war and then locked into our ideals of this is the only way this is the way this is the way that no one thinks maybe there's a better way maybe there's a different way that nothing will ever satisfy both sides
1: but both sides could come to an agreement on that's why you need to have open and honest discussions and the moderates need to get off their fucking ass and actually be a part of the conversation no because that's too much work (laughs) that's true and as a moderate i'm inherently lazy so yeah same here i'm uh
0: you know, I get on here and I spout my uh, liberal left-leaning uh, views, but I don't go out there and like protest or anything like that uh, for them. I sit in my ass and sit at home and watch news stories and tweet out and, you know, do the hard stuff.
1: Tweeting <laughs> its really hard.
0: You're a keyboard um, warrior, Jake. I'm not even that we much sal- a- salute a keyboard I'm not even that much of a keyboard warrior. I mean, my tweets the past few days have been mainly around the Snyder Cut, which is significantly better than the Weed and Cut. Uh <laughs> pay attention to DFAT Entertainment for more on that. We got some major crossover event coming at you about the Weed and Cut versus the Snyder Cut, uh shameless Plug um there. But uh I don't got any other points. I got to nurse this 4-day long migraine and uh wait 5 days for my PlayStation 5, which you know, <laughs> I'm just needlessly giving into the economics of the world to get a system to entertain me. Do you got any final points on this? What I think was a great
1: episode. I got nothing. I think we went off the rails enough. Um <laughs> maybe more than normal. A little bit more than normal. I I believe that you're probably going to let me pick the beer <laughs> next time. Let, let's just say Comis
0: russian imperial stout it will keep the topic flowing without any real rails we stayed economic the whole time we did we did so we might
1: be better than we normally are we might have gotten off track but we stayed on the rails um i'm gonna throw this out there if any one of our seven listeners uh works for comus i hope we're saying it may be combs uh i don't know it's a Look it up. It's at Wegmans. You can find it easily. If any of our listeners work there, have connections there, um, shameless plug, we'll be happy to have you as a sponsor and you can pay us in beer. Yeah. Hopefully you have other flavors because other, I mean, we won't, we'll never get bored of this. I'm going to go back to the store and, and buy as much of this as I can find. Yeah. But $4 a beer. Yeah. It's
0: Worth not it. A, Worth not it.
1: cheap one. Worth
0: it. I I I gotta remind you, a Jenny twelve pack cost us nine dollars.
1: Yeah, but you're getting a pint here, and a Jenny twelve pack is is like a a cup of beer, and the rest is water. So, (laughs) yeah, that that is very very true.
0: Uh, Do you want to uh, sign us out and say goodbye to our listeners, Aaron?
1: I'll be more than happy to, Jake. It's uh. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, Thank you all for sticking with us on this ride and uh, joining us. Um, As always, stay safe, drink responsibly, and uh, we'll see you next time at the Tavern.
0: This week's podcast is...